welcome to Because You Need to Know. I am Edwin K. Morris, the president and founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. Hey everybody, my name is Gari Monglik. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Instrumental. I live in Berkeley, California, calling in from the West Coast here. And a couple of fun facts about me. I can talk for hours about technology and startups. I envision a future that features advances in radical inclusivity, preventative healthcare, and in making sure the best ideas, organizations, and generally the people moving the world forward have the resources that they need to succeed. If I were stranded on an island, my top three must-haves are my iPhone, a notebook, and an everlasting gobstopper, because why not? <laughs> It'll never go away. Right. Yes. Yeah, an endless supply of sugar. <laughs> Is that your main dietary intake? Well, I think it was more the everlasting part that drew me to this as an idea <laughs> than the, the gobstopper. Any last books you've read that were like, holy cow? Yeah, I just recently read this book, his name exactly, Kazuo Ishiguro, called Clara and the Sun. It was a book about the future where humans have essentially like robot AI friends. Okay. And But the book is written from the perspective of that, that robot. And so it's about her experience, you know, joins a new family and becomes part of that family support system and what life is like for her. Wow. AI robotic perspective of life. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's cool. Well, thanks for bringing that. Okay, anything else that you would like to plant seeds with? Just that I'm like a tech startup junkie. That's definitely been, you know, part of my life and brought me to where I am today, but something that I discovered pretty quickly in my adult life. What does it mean to be a tech startup junkie? I think it means, I think it's related to what I find myself thinking about, you know, in the shower or in my free time. Mm -hmm. It tends to be technology. It tends to be startups. Another way that I think about it is like if you were in the New York Times, if you're just reading through like what area of the, you know, of the paper would you find yourself going back to? Mm -hmm. And it's usually like science and technology and business. When you're thinking of technology? Are you thinking of solutions or are you thinking of technology and then trying to wrap a solution to it? That's a good question. I think I tend to go more from, I think it's a bit of both, but I tend to go more from like problems and then trying to like brainstorm possible solutions. Also, you know, things that are new uh, in the world now with technology, but, um, but certainly things that are connected to that problem. That fits my mental model also is that you, you start with a gap or an something that needs to be better, right? whatever that is. It may mm-hmm. not be necessarily a problem, but at least something that needs improved. Maybe there's an existing process that just needs a jump start or mm-hmm. a left turn instead of a right turn. Is there a process you go through to vet ideas? Yeah, there's definitely processes that I've used in the past to vet ideas. Generally, I call this process customer discovery, Hmm. and that's basically how we came to Instrumental, uh, which is my current company. A period of time that I went through back in 2018 that I think is relevant here is where we kind of the seeds of Instrumental today, and we had actually built out a platform, but we were not sure it was the right idea to invest all of our efforts into. And we went through a pretty intense vetting process where we actually pitched nonprofits 
several other ideas and ultimately came to the conclusion that our original path was the right path. And this platform to help nonprofits find and manage their grants process was one in which they had a lot of pain. And also our solution was going to be able to solve some of that pain. But that process was a lot of essentially presenting concepts to customers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tied to potential pain points and, and getting their validation on if we were on the right track or not. In that pool of nonprofits that you went to to say, hey, behind door A, behind door B or C, which ones right. when you're trying to develop the right path or the right product to get behind? Was there a demographic that was not represented in that pool of nonprofits? Was it heavy to large multi-state or you know regional nonprofits versus maybe a small mom and pop type nonprofit? What I think is important to do when you're doing these types of interviews is to make sure you're very intentional about who you're talking to. And at that time, I mean, this we were doing this a lot. So I would say we probably had like over 100, you know, hundreds of conversations. So it was a lot. And the goal was to talk to a diverse range of organizations so that we could see trends, right? We could see like, okay, these types of nonprofits, these smaller or larger nonprofits resonate with this idea, but the opposite resonate with that idea because that, yeah, that kind of pairing helps understand things at a deeper level too. So how much research did you have to do to understand nonprofit work or were you just born into the nonprofit world? I was not born into the nonprofit world per se. I did, my dad was pretty involved in a nonprofit, but I would say most of my knowledge came from my two co-founders who both came from the nonprofit world while I came from more of the product and tech world. Ah. You know, once we started Instrumental, um, doing my own customer interviews and research and talking to nonprofits, they both came from the nonprofit world. They both had worked at nonprofits. They, one of them had also worked at a funder, giving out grants to nonprofits. So they really circled the space from multiple different perspectives and were the original identifiers of this pain point. So what was missing in the marketplace that Instrumental filled? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot, um, <laughs> which is why, you know, we wanted to start something. Focus on institutional fundraising, which is like helping nonprofits fundraise from grants. Mm -hmm. Uh, So corporations, foundations, government grants. Uh, What we found was that there wasn't software that truly helped make the process a lot easier, like 10 times easier. So from an overall usability standpoint and ease of use standpoint, that was like a meta thing that was lacking. And then when you actually broke down what these solutions were doing, they just were only doing a very small portion of the whole life cycle. And we wanted to build a tool that helped all stages of the grant life cycle and to remove the inefficiencies in each part of it. In my experience with grants and chasing them, so to speak, there seemed to me, and maybe this, maybe your organization is addressing this, but there seemed to me that it was two sides of the street. It was the grant maker side of the street and it was the grant taker side of the street. And there wasn't really anything that really bridged both partnerships in the longevity of the spend or the investment. What I saw was that there was an opportunity that if there was an instrument that became a mutually benefiting one that benefited the grant taker and the grant maker in the same breath, then there could be some longitudinal understanding of where money went and what good did it do. And are you familiar with Grant Station? I am, yeah. So that's one of those that's out there that is there for, for the most part, for the grant taker, you know, to help them find stuff. Does it help them get stuff? Eh, I don't know about that. Uh, I'm planting that because I want the audience to really realize that this has been a challenge 
as technology has propelled humanity across the globe, this really seems to be lacking. So what is instrumental break ground and bringing? I'll actually touch on what you're talking about first, which is if there could be a bridge connecting right. the grant seeker and the grant maker, because we pursued that problem uh, for quite some time to actually um, have those connections happen directly on a platform. We've ultimately realized that wasn't something that was feasible to attack head on. Hmm. And the finding is like, counterintuitive when you first hear it, but then when you think about it some more, I feel like then it seems kind of obvious where, you know, you would think that, you know, from a grant seeker standpoint, right, they have a hair on fire problem, they're trying to get funded, they, you know, the problems on their end are clear. And you think that on the funder side, there would be, you know, a set of problems that you could solve too, where maybe they want to give their funds away more efficiently, maybe they want to make sure their funds are going to nonprofits that are making a, a true impact mm -hmm. with, with, you know, strong outcomes. However, we found that when we actually talked to those funders, they weren't actually that concerned about that. And I think you think that's surprising, yeah. but I think when you think about it more, you realize a couple of things. One, in terms of funders giving out their money to effective nonprofits, first of all, that's kind of hard to measure mm -hmm. in general, right? Like that's a whole, that's another mm -hmm. problem that that, and that takes time. Um, secondly, a funder, because they're giving out money, they're not making money what is going to actually happen to that funder if they give their money away inefficiently or ineffectively? Nothing really. No one's going to get fired <laughs> at a funder, at a foundation if they're, they gave to like a suboptimal organization. What? Are you saying there's no accountability out there? It's like the, you know, everything has trade-offs, right? It's like the one trade-off of it being a philanthropic gift. It's that the funder is just giving away money. So like it's kind of their rules, like, right? Take it. So that's what we ran into. I think there are potentially more incentives that are changing now with there being more of attention put on funders to give out money in a more equitable way and a more with a more transparent process um, with the you know push for trust-based philanthropy. So it could be over time these incentives change and we are able to hold funders accountable. But we found that for us to make a business work. We needed to focus on the side of the market that really had a hair on fire problem that was like willing to pay for something right now. And so that's why I focused on the grant seeker. Um, and then what we do for grant seekers is we built a platform where they can find relevant funders. Uh, we match them to those relevant funders and also help them stay organized and keep track of all their funders in one place. So not only do we do the, the finding and the prospecting, but also like the grant management piece. So in the grant management piece, are we talking about like, you know, in, in the commercial space for for-profit, we have requests for proposals, we have all that time and money spent in, in putting out the content to try to get the work, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost reversed, but it's the same thing. So the grant taker has to go through the basically request for proposal process, build all this content that, that's required to submit for the grant. And sometimes it can be daunting how much the criteria could really add volumes of data and, and all that sort of thing that has to be part of the proposal or the request for a grant. Is there any long-term benefit to a, a grant taker that is in instrumental to have some repeatable, reusable content so it makes things easier? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the nonprofit space, you do have these active RFPs similar to the commercial world that you can you know, put together proposals for. And you also have funders that don't necessarily have an open application, but they do make mm. grants because they're a private foundation that must make grants, but they just don't have an open, transparent process. And so we help to give you insights into who these funders are giving out to based on their tax filing so that you can say, mm. maybe my board member knows this 
funder and it's worth to try to forge that relationship. Um, so there's multiple types of data that we're pulling together in one place so you can form a cohesive strategy. And then in terms of the tool and in, in making it more of a repeatable process, that's primarily like what our whole goal is to actually give you that system. And that's why a lot of grant writing courses and curriculums, once they learn about instrumental, they'll actually use instrumental to almost teach people how to write grants because the process, the platform walks you through that. What's really great about it is, is obviously you have all the matchmaking piece, which helps you connect to good fit funders more easily. And we overall save development professionals three hours a week overall in the process. So that's awesome. But the actual tracking capabilities help you be strategic so that you know exactly what you did you know, three years ago. What did you apply to this funder? What was your feedback from that funder? And you can see how that application might've changed, those requirements might've changed and use what you did three years ago to make what you're doing now you know, a better, you can, you can take a better step forward. So does instrumental provide software as a service? Is this just a monthly membership? That's right. Exactly. Um, so it's a 14 day free trial. And so you can try us out, no commitment for two weeks and see if it works for you. And then after that, if you found it to be valuable, you can move forward with a subscription and that will give you access to the most comprehensive database of grants for nonprofits available. And also our suite of tracking and grant management tools so that you can create a system to be more effective. So is it a tiered offering? Are there different levels? So we have a basic tier, which is $1.99 a month if you were to go with our monthly offer. All of our plans also have an annual subscription, which gives you some, you know, a bit of a discount if you pay upfront for the year. Um, and then we also have a plus offering, uh, which is a bit more than that, which is about $3.26 a month. And so we like to say overall, if you win one grant, um, this will pay for itself. And we see that people are able to, our customers are able to increase their grant application output by 78%, like I said, while saving time per week. So there is like the benefit of potentially winning more money, of course, but then also just like overall in your process, if it's something you're doing day in and day out, you're going to be way more efficient overall. So what's this code I was hearing about? So yeah, so we have a code for folks on the podcast. It's, it gives you $50 off and it's B-Y-N-K. P-O-D-50. Well, that will definitely give an incentive. What's the longevity of a customer for you? Your offering is a benefit, but how do you track success other than membership? Are you, are you seeing or are you able to get a business intelligence scope to see how many folks are winning? The way that we measure success is we basically want to track impact. And there, of course, is like revenue growth, but we basically have surveyed our customers and asked them what they see the impact is. Customers have told us they've increased their grant application output by 78%. They're saving three hours per week, and they're able to find a good fit funder four times more easily with instrumental than they would without instrumental. Nine out of 10 customers consider instrumental to be invaluable to their fundraising process. So they're considering instrumental to be instrumental to their actual overall success with hence, grants. Hence the name. Yes, hence. Right? <laughs> What is the future? So we are very much uh, a product and technology company. And so we one thing that you'll see with Instrumental is that we constantly make the product better. And so in particular, we are very focused on our tracking functionality and making that more and more robust with integrations, with the calendar view, and even helping nonprofits after they've won the grant in terms of like post-award grant management. Overall, you can expect 
big releases and big improvements coming every couple months or so. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Any plans on uh, getting partnered up with Microsoft for nonprofits or one of those big software packs that are built for nonprofits for management? Is there any kind of opportunity there? Absolutely. We're working on a Salesforce integration right now. Uh, and the goal is to continue to build out those integrations so that with instrumental it can serve as your main hub for all things grants. But if you need that data to live elsewhere, if you're using a CRM or some other system as like your main accounting system of record or financial tracking system of record, you don't have to worry about the data just getting you know, sent to the right places and synced to the right places. And you can still be using Instrumental for all of your grants related work and activities. Can you describe who your average customer is? Yeah, we work with customers in several different buckets, I would say. On the smaller end, we have customers that are, we would call them like a one woman show. They maybe are an executive director or a development director that's wearing a lot of different hats. Grants might not be the only thing that they're doing. And so for them, they like Instrumental because we, again, automate a lot of the work. We're sending them notifications of new matches. We're sending them deadline reminders. They can almost use Instrumental to stay on track and come into it when they have a spare you know, week to bang out two grant proposals. They can jump in and jump out. And then we also have customers that are on the medium side where we would call them like an expert. They know how to write grants. They've done it before. And this is the thing that they're spending most of their time doing and they need a tool to keep their pipeline active and they want to use more so like the tracking functionality to stay organized. And then on the higher end, then we have even like teams of grant writers, teams of experts where they all need to do more collaboration, more reporting, more communication across the organization uh, with all of the grant related kind of tasks and deliverables. So it's really across the board. I would say that the one thing we see is that nonprofits that are really just getting started they might not be ready for grants in general. So it's not even about them being ready for instrumental. It's just that they might not quite be ready for grants. And so we will sometimes be talking to nonprofits about how they can understand if this is the right strategy for them to pursue right now, or if they should actually prioritize other forms of fundraising and then circle back to grants in a couple of years. There seems to be a little bit of hazing process for young nonprofits <laughs> to get beat up in most grant applications because it's like that concept of, oh, you want a job? Well, what experience do you have? Oh, you don't have any experience? Well, go get a job. Yeah, but I can't get a job because I don't have any experience. It's the same nutshell for nonprofits that are fresh and new. Go and apply for grants. Good luck because you've got no history behind you. Yeah. And especially if you can't say, yeah, we've never received a grant, then it's like, ooh, they, they run away. You know, it's one of those things where persistence pays dividends. And I think that a tool like this could help for those that have gotten through a couple of hurdles, gone through a couple of grant cycles, and maybe they won a few, and they're like, this this is could be worthwhile. Then it's time to step into something to help with that automated performance. Yeah, it's definitely a good time to consider grants as part of your strategy. Foundation giving has increased every year since 2013. And um, in 2020 in particular, more nonprofits applied for grants and more nonprofits won grants as well. Um, so you're seeing that becoming part of the part of the part of the industry change, right? It's, yeah. It, so there, you're saying that the giving side of it, at least at the foundation level, just just so everybody knows, there's a boatload of different ways you can get grants, and foundation is one. But you're saying foundations have increased across the years. They have, yeah. So have you gotten any grants? Yeah, actually, I mean, for instrumental, we've won some awards in the past. We went to 
Chile. Uh, there's a, a grant that's given out by the government of Chile in Santiago called Startup Chile. And so we went there for a bit just to really get started. There was a, an award given out by Cartier for women owned businesses that we also, you know, won some money yeah. through many years ago. Wow. So we're, we're familiar with yeah. the, <laughs> the pain and the need to supplement your budding revenue with grant funding. You talked about if it's part of an organization's strategy. So let's talk about that. In, in most organizations, do you think they have a bona fide strategy for fundraising? I would say that a lot of organizations can spend more time making sure that they have a sound strategy, especially if they're a younger, smaller organization. I think that's kind of a necessity to kind of mature into an organization that gets past a certain amount in terms of overall revenue. Where do you find fundraising in the grant world? What would be your educated guess that most organizations are at for a percentage of their revenue annually? How much of it is grant versus either earned income or other revenue generation? What we see from our organizations is that it can really vary, especially organizations that are heavily funded by government grants. Sometimes that's where a majority of your revenue comes from. But I would say on average, we see like around 20 to 30%. Via grants. Is, is from grants, yeah. And it can certainly be lower. We've definitely seen organizations that are just getting started that are trying to add grants to their existing you know, earned income revenue. And then we've definitely seen organizations where like 90% of their funds come through government grants. And I think that bears fruit over time. Once an organization and leadership and the board can see, oh, you know, if we actually put resources towards this, you know, we up our game to receive grants. It's one of those where if you don't put anything into it, if you put zero behind either grant writing or grant development, you're pretty much going to get zero back. If you put some effort in building that resource to where it's a sustainable thing that can grow, then you can start looking at those 10, 20 percentages of your annual revenue starting to fill in the, the reserve of your organization. Absolutely. Yeah. And I typically say that if you're going to try to kickstart a grant writing process, you want to give it like two years because you need enough time for you to learn, put out applications, to learn from the funder's feedback, to incorporate that into your process before you might want to write it off as a strategy that wouldn't work for you. It tends to be more of an advanced fundraising strategy and something where you need to do a bit more investment before you see that ROI. But the great thing is once you get that flywheel spinning, it can be a great way to have you know, a set of like consistent funders that are able to fund 20% of your organization's uh, revenue. And we're not saying that the local fire department or the local church group or whatever that nonprofit could be, they're, they're doing their annual raffle or they're doing some kind of thing in the local community. Whatever's been tried and true, and I know a lot of nonprofits do those sorts of fundraising drives. And they're very much manual labor intensive, meaning they need a boatload of volunteers to come and put it all out there once a year, big fundraiser. And if you think about hours of people's time and that consumption and the, the amount of work it takes to try to put something to that scale together every year, it's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. Don't discount putting your eggs in a different basket for possible <laughs> revenue generation is what I'm trying to get to. So any last words of wisdom, oh great one? Um, overall, institutional fundraising is increasing and it's, it's a better time than ever to pursue grants if you're not already. And if you 
are looking for a system to a tool to help you be efficient and effective in that process, check out Instrumental. As I mentioned, there's 14 days to try us out completely for free. There's no credit card required, no risk. At the very least, you'll come away with some opportunities for you to pursue outside of Instrumental. And if you do find that it's helpful for you, you can forward with a subscription and we have this coupon code that I'll mention again, B-Y-N-K-P-O-D. 50. Before you go, do you know what knowledge management is? Can you define it? I would say, I think it's an organization's institutional knowledge so that they can, uh, that you want to be able to store and be able to use effectively. So that overall as an organization, you're continuing to build off what you've done and learned before, as opposed to needing to rewrite yes. learnings. No work like rework. Yes, absolutely. You've got it. Right. You nailed it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. It's been very enlightening. I like what you're doing. It sounds like things are just going to keep getting bigger and better. That's the hope. Yeah, we're working hard to make that happen. Well, have a great day. Okay, thanks, Edwin. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation Brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.